This is the Chinwag Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Joy Stone, and welcome to another episode. Uh, hi, my name's Mark McElligator. I am a part owner in a, a bar uh, downtown Toowoomba called Bar Wonder. We're a dog-friendly music venue, lots of booze. Yeah. That's, that's per- our thing. Perfect. Okay, so um, Bar Wonder. How did you come up with a an idea to have a dog friendly bar? I love it, by the way. I really do. I uh, think it's one of the the best place in Toowoomba. Thanks. Chilled out, relaxed. I love it. Yeah. Well, my partner Fiona and I we lived in Brisbane for thirty odd years before we moved here, um, and about seven. Years ago, we moved to Toowoomba because, well, one day we woke up in the middle of summer and Brisbane went, it's too stinking hot, let's move somewhere cooler. Yeah. And uh, so we we had friends who were in the arts mm-hmm. in Toowoomba. David Usher, who's a Toowoomba artist and teaches at the uni. And um, so we, we came and had a look around and went, well, it's Really, I'd been to Toowoomba before, but only on just small visits sure. over the years. I worked in the music industry before I had a bar. I didn't. I have no real background in hospitality. Yeah, right. What were you doing in music industry? Uh, I'm I was, I'm an audio engineer. I was I worked for Powderfinger for oh. fifteen years. Holy dooly! And you know, I'm here squatting with my little setup here. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, what was that like? I, that was great. It was great. We, you know, we travel all around the world and you know, all that stuff. Right. And um, and when they finished up in two thousand and ten, the last show. Uh, after that, I, I kind of I we'd been on the road for so long that I thought, well, maybe I, I could try doing something else. Yeah. You know. Um. And I, and I'd also done before Powderfinger. I was in the music industry as well. So. Uh, I started with them in 1995, but before that, I was also um, doing sound for different bands, just around Brisbane, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I've been doing it since I left school, and that was in the 80s. Yeah, right. So I've been doing sound a long time. You had no no experience in hospitality. No, none. No, but That's you know good. when you when you're working for a band, you you. Play in a lot of pubs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Drink a lot of beer. Yeah, sure. Talk about a taste, change of scenery, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but when we came here, uh, we weren't sure exactly what we wanted to do first. But then I, I scored a job that I was just talking to you about while I'm making some coffee, mm-hmm. doing fly in, fly out, and it was something completely new. And I love doing new things because, and I'd done music for so long that. Okay, well, let's do this. And my friend who got me the job said, you'll make lots of money. I went, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, it's always a bonus. Yeah, so I did that for a while, well, three and a half years actually, and then um, saved up enough money to buy a house in Toowoomba because house prices were nice here. Mm -hmm. Well, Let's back it up a bit. (laughs) I wouldn't say they're nice. (laughs) They're just nicer than in a capital city, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but now yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, mm. so you bought the house, bought the house, and uh, I was going to fly and fly out for a while. And then after that finished, we were we were looking around what to do next, and um, I got a, a you know food trailer thing, and we were selling German sausages from this guys in Brisbane that I knew that had called Brat House who yeah make get their sausages made in. Calandra by a proper German sausage maker. Really? And they're really good sausages. So we went, well, okay, let's do that. It'll be fun. We'll do that at the markets and, and events and things. So we did that for a little while. And then we were thinking, maybe we can expand this and get a little shop or something and do them, say, late at night. Yeah, sell yeah, some yeah. hot dogs to the drunks. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad business move either. And we were looking around and that's how we met Barry Burnoff. Okay. So we talking about it. So we need a little shop. Uh-huh. That's what we want to do. And he didn't have anything small enough. But he said, look, 
uh, we, we got talking and it turned out he was used to be a musician. So mm-hmm. we were talking about music and stuff. And just my past and, and things that I enjoyed. And we got along really well. And then he said, look, I've got this building I've just bought and I don't technically own it yet, but you should come and have a look at it because mm-hmm. I, I think maybe you could do something with it. And I hadn't really thought about doing a bar. It was just, it was something I had wanted to do. I liked the idea of it. But I wasn't sure that whether Toowoomba would even support uh, a bar that Fiona and I would like to do. Because all the bars that we used to it's go to... It's a lot different. I've got to tell you, it is a lot different compared to, especially when it first opened. Like, there's there's some places in Toowoomba now that have tried to follow in your footsteps... Sorry. That have tried to follow in your footsteps in terms of, you know, the relaxed vibe and, you know, everyone sort of just chills out. But when Bar Wonder first opened up, it was different. Mm. It was really different. Yeah. Because it was, we modelled it on places we love to go to in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at all the bars that I went to, touring around the world, you know, to New York, and and so there's a little bit of all of those ideas in Bar Wonder, the places that I went to and loved. Yeah. So, um, and Barry showed us this building, and it had the back section which backed onto Club Lane. Yeah. And I went, wow, this would be a really cool little beer garden. Mm-hmm. You're right, and it had, <laughs> and it had the old old garage there where they used to park the cars when when it was Owen's camera house. Uh-huh. And I went, oh yeah, that's big enough to put a cold room in and and turn into a small bar, and so it it just ticked all the boxes. And inside, it was completely different to what it is now, but it was it you know just I love those old skinny long buildings. Mm-hmm. There was one in Brisbane um, called the Outpost. In the valley, it was long and skinny, just like Bar Wonder is, and it was a, a great music venue in in Brisbane, in the valley back in the through the eighties and into the nineties, and um, it was one of my favourite venues in, in Brisbane. So that sort of in, it inspired me as well because it was so such a similar width and length building wise. Um, so we. We went, oh, Barry, this, this, this is an amazing place. And he went, yeah, he said, I've just bought it. I don't know what to do with it. Because um, it had been Owen's camera house for 60 years. So mm-hmm. it was it it had tons of renovations in it, layers and layers, because they'd been there for so many decades, that they just did a renovation and just built on top of the last one. So when we stripped it out, it was like 25-odd tons of Holy stuff that went to the tip from, from Owen's, you know. But we, we managed to salvage lots of bits and pieces from the older renovations like back from the 60s and 60s timber and things, which we tried to utilise in, in, in the Bawanda design. So that, that, that was fun. It was fun doing that. And, uh, and then we opened and, and started so doing it. Where where did the dogs come in? Because that's, well, that's like I Fiona. said, it's different. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know, she's a huge animal lover. Yeah, right. And we don't have a dog though. <laughs> we have cats. Oh, okay. We have cats. Yep. And <laughs> we, um, she said, she said, oh, this beer garden would be great for and and have dog friendly. Well, there were a couple of dog friendly places in Brisbane. Uh-huh. That we cafes, used, cafes. Yeah, yeah. And like cat cuddle cafe in Brisbane. Yeah. To visit. I went. Yeah. Oh. Why not? Why not be able to bring your animal when you go and have a, a beer? It's great. So, we, yeah, well, let's do that. It and, is great. And council <laughs> said, well, as long as they're not inside where you're preparing food, then that's okay. You can do it. Went, okay. Really? Council didn't have a problem with it? You didn't have to jump through hoops or anything? No, you don't have to fill out any forms. It's just, wow. It's just that they can't be near the kitchen. That's basically it. Look, anyway. I, look, I can I can actually understand that. So that's that is really that's actually surprising because you know what well, I'm I'm not particularly a fan of any stage of government. No, yeah, <laughs> I feel, the red I feel, tape. Yeah, yeah, the red tape and and all the all the rest of it, which sort of brings us into why you came here. Um, so 
the COVID, the COVIDs, mm. when they started, how, how did that affect you? It was right at the start. I'm talking, what was it, March, February, March? They started bringing in restrictions, was it March? Uh, what, the first lockdown, I can't even remember the dates now. I know, it's, but it was, it's yeah, been three, going on for way too long. Yeah. Yeah, the three-month the, the three lockdown. Well, the, the good thing about that was that I actually got to build the stage and mm-hmm. work on the venue <laughs> while we were closed down. And we got JobKeeper, Fiona and I both got it. Uh-huh. And, and I think it was three of our staff qualified for JobKeeper. So, right. so we... Three out of how many? Uh, I think we had six or seven at the time. But because most were... Casuals. We yeah, only right had, We only had um, three who were kind of um, full time, permanent, part time. Oh, yeah, okay, yep, yep. So, so casuals, casuals didn't no, didn't qualify. No, the government said <laughs> said stuff you casuals. Yep, yep, okay, yep, yeah, and yeah, you had to like. I don't understand why with with governments they have to always put arbitrary rules in place on things. Mm-hmm. Why not just give everybody JobKeeper? Well, everybody's equally affected. In a bad way. If everyone was working, what? Yeah, sort yeah. of. That would make sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like they had arbitrary things, like uh, if you hadn't had your job for longer than twelve months, I think it was, you, you couldn't get it. You know, if, oh, if you okay. And you'd think that someone who's new to a job, you want to keep. They're it the there. ones who need the most assistance. Yeah. Someone who's had a long term, you know, full time job might have had some savings. So they'd like to hurt the people who. Can least afford it. Well, that's been sort of a a theme, I guess. You know, small business owners, um, you know, individuals like Kmart didn't get shut down. Like no. massive, massive companies, they they worked through the whole the whole lot. They they haven't been affected at all. No, they weren't even really made to uh, enforce social distancing. They had signs up. But, yeah. like, if you walked through Bunnings or you walked through Coles, they didn't widen the shelves, did they, so everyone yeah. could walk past each other and maintain their social distancing. Those big companies are never required to, no. to do anything. No, They can just placate the government by putting up their little signs, but in reality, you know, or, or what did Bunnings do? Or you can go out this entrance and you can <laughs> go in this entrance. Yeah. Which but is... The rest of it's the same. Painful. It's utter hypocrisy. Yes, it is. Yeah, another classic example. When we were... There was uh, funding available. You could get some government-assisted loans for business during during the lockdown. Yeah. And uh, they were really good loans because you could borrow money. You didn't have to make any repayments for like the first 12 months and then the interest was really low on them and the terms of the loans were really long. And right. the idea was, you know, borrow cheap money to help you stay afloat mm-hmm. through COVID. So we went, oh, okay, let's, let's go. That's great. Let's apply. Mm-hmm. Bap, bap. <laughs> you had to be in business prior to 2018 to, to apply. So another arbitrary rule. And we didn't open until September 2018. And the cutoff date was like early 2018. So if you... You had to be in business before that date. So you're a small business, just opened up. Yeah. Fantastic, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned that or not. <laughs> but you you didn't qualify because no. you hadn't been in business for long enough. Yeah. But all the long-term businesses, once again. The established <laughs> ones. Established ones. Yeah. You might have some yeah. savings. Yes. Yep. No worries. Not not that they should be penalised for it either. No, I don't think that. But it seems very much targeted at smaller outfits like you, like yourself. Like that that doesn't make sense at, at all. I don't think governments deliberately target people. I think that it's, it's overlooking. That, yeah, it's that general malaise in bureaucracy. Bureaucracies mm-hmm. are incompetent around mm-hmm. the world. Inefficient. Yeah, and so someone, I guess, had to come up with some date that that the loans could be applied to for mm-hmm. God knows why, but there was probably some some head of department said, look, we need to define a period for this loan, you know. Like, 
so someone said, well, let's start at January 2018. So if you weren't in business, if you were in business after that date, you don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. Because it makes can, no sense. No, it's it doesn't completely make, arbitrary. Date. It doesn't make any sense. I could see. I could see if if they made that same distinction and said, you know, up until even then, it still doesn't. You know, if you open a business today, you can't apply for it because there would be a lot of, you know, whatever you want to call them, people claiming those loans with no intention of paying them back if they didn't have. A date on it, but two years does not make any sense at all. No, you, no, no one knew that all this crap was going to happen two years is like well, two years ago when it first started, I should say. So, I don't know, it just that doesn't make sense. Doesn't no. make sense at all. No, lots of things that governments do don't make sense. No, you, you, you're definitely right. But, well, I mean, the entire response to COVID lockdowns. Are, are a very odd thing. You know that they mm-hmm. they were never in in pandemics in the past. That locking down entire populations is the opposite of what used to be the health approach, the considered health approach to pandemics. You always, in the past, isolated the most vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, which and, also makes sense, right? Yeah, you, know, make, you want to protect the the vulnerable people, but yeah, but you also want to protect normal society yeah. so that it keeps functioning and doesn't collapse. Yes. You need your economy to be strong. Yes. And that was and that was early on. Like people would people were saying, like, you know, what's the point of having an economy if everyone's dead? It's like, well, one, that's not going to happen. No. Like that's that's completely wrong to say and like just wrong. And you know, the economy affects everyone whether you whether you like it or not, the economy affects everyone. If you can't afford, like America's going through it worse than we are at the moment with their inflation prices, right? And like that's going to take years and years to get under control if they can ever get it under control without a total financial collapse. And what's going to happen then? Oh, we went into lockdown and maybe maybe protected the vulnerable for thousands more dying because. They can't. Because I've lost their job, their houses, and uh, it's 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 not it doesn't make look. I know we're going to say this a lot, but it doesn't make sense. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Back to back to uh, what what did they they used to do? So protect the vulnerable. Yeah, it was basically isolate and protect the vulnerable and try to maintain the rest of society functioning as per normal and. And these were worse pandemics, you know, with much higher um, statistical death rates. That's the thing about COVID. Everything about it is is odd. Mm. You know, I followed it from the start. I thought I found it fascinating. And there was, uh, do you remember the cruise ship mm-hmm. at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And that was a perfect petri dish to kind of study because there were, I think, three thousand people, almost the size of a medical study, mm-hmm. on on this ship. And the age range went from very young right through to the very elderly. So it was a good cross-section of society on this cruise ship. And they they looked at it after, you know, after its quarantine period and they studied and they found that, you know, the, the elderly were the most affected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who were ill already had comorbidities were most af- affected they found that there was a very large number of asymptomatic cases, mm-hmm. which then, you know, uh, that extrapolated out throughout the pandemic to be the case. Um, at the time, they didn't know that uh, asymptomatic people don't really retransmit the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they found that a, an inconvenient thing when they discovered oh, for sure, that, that, that asymptomatic people don't reinfect other people. Uh-huh. So they've they've basically suppressed that because it's it's not it's an inconvenient idea. So basically, like you know, there's been cases of say someone came over the border and escaped, and they catch them and say, you know, this this case, a COVID case, we've caught. But like the one with the truck driver, mm-hmm. that guy was 
functioning perfectly, driving his truck along. So he was probably asymptomatic and was not going to infect anyone anyway. And then you never hear anything more about it because he didn't really infect anybody. Mm-hmm. The asymptomatic thing is a very inconvenient aspect of the Yeah, pandemic. they used to call that not sick. Yeah. <laughs> so really right. the only people that you can get the disease off are the ones who are stumbling down the street, almost collapsing and coughing and sure. yeah. fluttering. And how many people do you see do that? If people are really sick, you know what they do? They stay home. Yeah, they stay at home. Yeah. So, Look, that that's probably a positive thing that has come out of this pandemic. Um, so people do stay at home more so now. And I've always thought, you know, why, you know, the people struggle through with the flu or whatever. And it's like, don't do that. Like, just don't do that. And I'm sure there'd be some people that would do that anyway, whether they had the flu or COVID or whatever the case may be. But I feel like that's possibly the only positive outcome that's come out of the whole pandemic is that people won't do that or they're very much more likely not to. Um, Other than that, I don't think there's any positives that have come from anywhere from it. No, just lies. Yes, it's lots of lies. It's shown us how fragile our health system is. Um, that's been a, a, a big one for me. You know, they're all worried that our health system's going to collapse, and it's like that we we don't have any cases. We're talking in Queensland here. We don't have any cases at all in yeah. Queensland, and they're already worried about it. You hear people saying that our health system's already stretched to its limits. It's like, what? What? Why? It's been two years, and mm. nothing more has been done with our health system. And take away all the time before that that it should have been fixed, and they've and the health system's been struggling. It's just you've had two years. Politicians everywhere have had two years, and nothing has changed. It's no. like, why? If it was as serious, I don't want to say it's not serious, but if it was as serious as they're making out to be, there would be billions of dollars going into the hospital system and healthcare system rather than fucking mandating vaccines that are questionable well, and becoming more questionable as time goes on. Yeah. Well, if you know, they would have built special quarantine hospitals. Well, yeah. With, with you know, sealed and with, with enough beds to... To, to you know, cover any excess of the normal hospitals couldn't do, but exactly, we're but gonna, they didn't build got, them because you know, they didn't really need to. We got, they knew that. We got tents here at at Toowoomba hmm. at, at the height of the pandemic when they thought it was all going to spill over. Uh, we had to go to hospital, of course. I have three kids, so you know it was just a routine trip, as you as you want to put it. Um, but they had they had tents. It wasn't that was their COVID ward, like. It wasn't anything. This is this is going a year in. Like mm. they could have had a whole new building built in yeah. a year, and it yeah. was a tent. Yeah, there's nothing. It's like what the hell? Yeah, what the hell? Like the Chinese seem to be onto it. They built an entire quarantine hospital. Oh well, the yeah, the biggest, the biggest, the most successful. Uh, what do you call it? Export that China's ever had is the 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 way to deal with this pandemic. You know, lock everyone down. That's what we followed exactly what China done. <laughs> Bar yeah. welding people inside their home, but you know, lock everyone down, close all the businesses. Well, not not all of them. The big ones got away with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, got a bit off track there. <laughs> but um, so the I guess the the vaccine side of it is what's going to be. The, uh, affecting us as a, as a business coming December 17. Mm. And we completely disagree with government mandates and government narrative on it all. We, um, so we're, we're, we're part of a, several groups that, that are looking into you know, the legality of it all, how to, if you do get fines, how to fight them in the courts and that right. sort of thing. So you're talking about... Uh, it, for not collecting data on vaccination status? Well, you're supposed to not allow yeah, people in. But the, the there's an interesting workplace health and safety side to it where 
Uh, as a business owner, if somebody gets vaccinated, one of your staff gets vaccinated and then they are harmed by the vaccine, mm-hmm. you as a business owner are responsible for their health. And that's not talked about, but it's but it's legally true. Really? Mm. And and yeah, it's it's fascinating because like the government order is is a mandate, it's not a law. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yes. But the the workplace health and safety side of it is law and and it's our response it's a business's responsibility. And I think a lot of businesses and a lot of people are unaware. But there's some big lawyers and um, law firms working on this stuff because they what they're doing the groups that are fighting this are, are organized they're um, handing out templates to businesses on right. how, how to respond because it's we're taking the stance that we're not asking our staff whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated it's none of our business because I, it's I, your I, yeah private medical information sure and um, we're going to defy the government orders and allow you know, unvaccinated and vaccinated people into our venue because we're not going to be asking whether you are or whether you aren't because it's none of our business. It's your personal right yep. to get vaccinated if you want to. That's fine. And don't if you don't want to. That's also fine. And we're not going to discriminate. Yeah, look, I've been called an anti-vaxxer since this mandate sort of stuff came in because I'm against the government telling individuals what to do in any way, shape or form. I don't think that that's... If we have to have a government, (laughs) I don't think that's their job. Right. So, and and like I said, I've been called an anti-vaxxer and it's it's not... That's not it. It's not it. Um, no, I know, it's I know just a the, convenient the, term. It's a yeah, label that yeah. the the corporate media is is all all of those protesters down in in Melbourne at the moment. Um, you know, you you turn it on to any channel that has whatever coverage of it. Not that there's a lot, but they're they're anti-vaxxers. That's the headline in the story is anti-vaxxer, and yeah. and I'm sure there's anti-vaxxers there. I'm not going to bloody you know, I'm not delusional. I don't think there's no anti-vaxxers there. I'm sure there is. Oh, yeah, of course. But the majority of those people are against the the government ma- telling you what you have to do with your own body. It's not even the vaccine. It's just the vaccine is the thing that the government's using at the moment. Like, what's, what's next? You know, I know it's not Australia, it's America, but a long time ago... There, there was a smallpox vaccine that was mandated and I can't remember the name of the dude and his son. Anyways, they used the same laws f- down the track to force, uh, to force um, abortions on unfavourable, unsavoury type people. You know, someone someone deemed them that they weren't they weren't allowed to procreate, and that happened. That's real. That happened, and we we are going down the same that exact road. We're mandating vaccines right now, mm. the, and we're giving up the power to of, for the government to tell us what we can and can't put in our bodies. We've already done that with, but what we have to put in our bodies to have a normal life. It's wrong. It's wrong on every level. But, anyways, <laughs> it's completely wrong. Well, it's civil liberties is an interesting subject overall, and we've been losing them. And and in America is I, I love reading anything American news. It's it's a fascinating country seeing mm-hmm. what what unfolds there. And as a general rule, stuff that happens in America happens. Oh yeah, in other Western yeah, nations, use a little delay and then it'll happen. I've been I've been asked why I'm so like you know why I watch political stuff in America and why I'm interested in America in general, and it's for that exact reason. It's like it happens over there or it happens in the UK, you nearly guarantee it's going to happen here. Mm. Which is why I'm kind of um, 
uh, inspired by what's happening over there at the moment and gives hope that we can fight in what's places like here. Texas and Florida? Well, they're just the general court ruling that, that, oh, yeah. that um, outlawed Biden's... Uh, what did you say? He wanted all businesses with a hundred or more employees to you know, vaccinate all their employees. Yeah, and it got challenged in the courts, and the, the, it's only a Fifth Circuit court, but it it overturned that um, directive from the government. And strangely enough, the president turned around then and said, "Well, just ignore that," which is completely illegal. <laughs> just ignore that. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now. Impeach Trump, impeach Trump, and then Biden goes around and does an idiotic thing like yeah, that. Yeah. So, but um, so if the courts in America are saying that this is unconstitutional, obviously we don't have a constitution like America, but it, it's it's heartening because it shows that it's not a black and white thing that you should just do it, and governments have every right to tell you what to do. This this shows that there's wiggle room for debate and that it shouldn't be just you know, carte blanche do as we say kind of thing so what are the what are the penalties that they're talking about placing on businesses that that are not going to uh it's to discriminate there's no other word for it yeah in uh, in australia it's um i think it's a six thousand eight hundred dollar fine for businesses that allow unvaccinated people in is that Queensland or is that Australia wide? Or? I only know about Queensland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And that's for each individual. It's uh, that's the business amount. I'm not sure what the individual amount is. I mean, is that uh, for in each individual infringement? Uh yeah. Well, I guess I don't even know how you define what's an infringement. Is, yeah, it, is it on? Is a day? Is it day in day out? Is it? Is can you get that fine every day? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how are they going to police it anyway? Well, this was going to be my next thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, how how do you police that? Like, you can't expect cops to be poli- They're not they're not health officers. Is there another another arm of government going to come out of this? Like, health officers? Are we going to have police doing this? This is this is it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, what, what are we? <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm guessing they just they just expect us to self police, you know, to to just obey and do it and collect the data. I I don't know how we collect the data for the pe- for the for the customers. Well, or even or even your employees. Yeah, well, technically, I mean, technically, I can't work there. I'm not vaccinated. Oh, <laughs> how dare you! <laughs> Yeah, so, right. So, so yeah, technically, that's, I can't that's, go in my own business. So that's a good point. I'd I'd never actually thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's stupid. Yes, it is. It is the whole the whole lot of it is is ridiculous. Mm. It it has no a vaccine passport has no scientific backing at all. Like we we know that vaccinated people can transfer catch and and transmit this disease. Just as much. There's a few studies that say more, but we'll stick with just as much as an unvaccinated person. So the vaccine at this stage is really only lessening your symptoms for the individual. It doesn't protect you from transmitting it to anyone else. Nope. The it's supposed to you know reduce hospitalizations and death. Sure, um, and but you, I mean, you and can, if and if you're in a position where you should be worried about that, then yeah, you should be worried about it, and yeah, hundred percent. If you want to get vaccinated, you should be able to do that. But yeah, but you can also reduce your risk of hospitalization and death by taking an alternative treatment. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yes. Well, um, I've, I've been laughed at for a, a few times for mentioning ivermectin. Um, it, you know, the studies that it happened in... That horse dilemma. The horse dilemma, yeah. <laughs> See, another label used to taint something. Yeah. Even and though in the, it's been used in, I think, what's the number, like 3.6 billion yeah. pay, you know, uses of ivermectin in human population in, re- over the decades. I remember when the corporate media run that story first up and I went to work and there was guys talking about it and they were laughing, saying, you know, 
the all these people were treating themselves with with horse to wormer and they're laughing and I'm laughing at them and then I kept laughing because it's ridiculous what they're laughing at. And then, yeah, it was like a few, I think it might have been a month later, there was a bunch of stories that got run. Uh, the Rolling Stones was the best one, saying that uh, hospitals were being overwhelmed and the Poisons Information Centre had received thousands of calls about all this sort of shit. And it was completely untrue, mm. completely untrue. And But, yeah, the, there's studies everywhere. Argentina, there's a couple of states in America running it. Um, all through India, they've they've hailed it as a massive success. And, yeah. and here, if a doctor prescribes it off-label in Queensland, they can lose their medical licence. Yeah, whereas in Uttar Pradesh uh, province mm. in India, 241 million people live there. On and top of each other, mind you. And the, Yeah, and the government... Issued a medical kit worth like two dollars, I think it cost them for mm. each kit to mm. everyone in the state, which had uh, some antivirals, ivermectin, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D. This little medical kit with little instruction set said, "If you feel ill, take this on like the second day or whatever." And COVID tanked there. Yeah, there was yeah, there's like no cases there. Yeah. I think there's 199 cases out of 241 million people. Yeah, living in the in a place the size of how big is it? Tasmania? That no, that would be even bigger. Mm. But yeah, yeah. So it's basically COVID free. Yeah. With and and I think the vaccination rate for the population is around five percent. Yeah, it's very very low. Three last time I looked at it, but mm. that was a couple of months ago. So yeah, yeah. But why why are exam like great examples? Like that of a successful treatment with a drug that's been you know, demonized. Why is that ignored? I don't. I, I don't know. You would think that 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 uh, major news corporations would be jumping all over that. Like that would be this. If if there was a reporter, if there was a news, a, a corporation that could put that together and find why, find out why, that would be a massive story. Mm. Massive story. Yeah, and there's nothing, no, not a peep. Completely ignored by the mainstream it, media. It's even, it's even the, uh, even the the um, the protests and whatnot. Like I was saying before, you know, and I've 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 watched them on my phone. It's like tens of thousands of people protesting, and then you see it on on the nightly news, and the, they say that there's a couple of thousand there. You know, it, it went for a couple of hours. The police jumped on it. And it's like, that's not what happened at all. Over over in France and, and in other places in the UK, there's massive, massive protests and you don't hear anything, nothing about it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, once again, America has the good news. The po- polling in America shows that the trust in mainstream media is at an absolute all-time low. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a dismal amount of people trust what what they see on the television. Well, there was a there was a thing floating around on the on Facebook. I know you're not on Facebook. Congratulations for that, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, there was a thing floating around on Facebook uh, not too long ago that CNN went an f- entire week, and there was a s- not one million people watched a single show. Mm. Like that's that's ratings down the toilet. That's ridiculous. Yeah, especially for something like CNN, the bi- one of the biggest media outlets in the world, and they have a million people watching in a week. Yeah, out of three hundred and fifty million. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. It's pathetic. so so. Yeah, the 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 idea that uh, people don't trust the the media at the moment is is it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all, especially after watching I talked about. Uh, Real Rockshan, um, on my last episode as well. Anyways, he he was a video photographer, and uh, now he just covers the the protests down in Melbourne, and he just you know got all his camera gear and just live streamed straight on Facebook. So you, you can see straight up live streaming how many people are there, like who who if they're vol- if it's violent, you know what they're doing and watching that live stream and then watching the news at night, it's two completely different stories. Mm. Completely different. I 
I saw a um, a time lapse of the Melbourne protests, and it, the odd thing was that it was from an, a journalist from the Age who posted it on Twitter, it's mm-hmm. a, and it was it was twenty minutes time lapsed down to twenty seconds, and it was just constant flow of people, tens of thousands of people, mm-hmm. and I went, wow, an Age journalist actually posted the truth. That's really surprising. Mm. I don't know if it was actually printed in the age, but it was on Twitter. Yeah, well, I missed that one. <laughs> but yeah, that's the like I said, it doesn't it does not surprise me in the least that that people don't trust the the major news corporation. And I, and I feel like it's it's happening here in Australia as well. Like less people are are turning on to channel 7 and 10 and it's just yeah, the the stories just it doesn't doesn't add up. It doesn't it doesn't no. line up to what what literally tens of thousands of people mm. and but the 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 degradation of the mainstream media has been going on for decades. The loss of trust is is not new. No, it's, it's just been accelerated. Yeah, because now yeah. it's blatantly obvious how much they do lie. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of. Makes you question what else are they what what else have they lied about? Like this isn't the first big thing. No, no. I mean, Noam Chomsky co-authored a book in the nineteen eighties called Manufacturing Consent, mm-hmm. and it was a, a book that studied mainstream media and how they shape the narratives and, and influence the general population. Mm. So it it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, even as far back as the sixties, Vietnam War. Oh, a lot yeah. of you know mainstream media propaganda during that, so it's it's yeah it's it's a very old thing. It's just uh, I think maybe people have woken up to it a little bit more now now in the last couple of years. I think as much as I fucking bag out on social media platforms, I think they have had a major role in that. So because like I said, you can live stream like I can go anywhere right now live stream to an audience of people and then it's there forever for other people to see well until facebook takes well it until down. facebook takes it down yes but but you get what i mean like they can yeah. like like yeah live stream to to whoever wants to tune in at that time and then they compare it to what they're watching on the news and it's like that's not what happened mm. and and it's having a real effect on on a lot of people uh, and I think the the if you go back to when use Melbourne again when when the Melbourne um, protests first started, there was only a couple of thousand people, but the last one there was people are saying there's at least fifty thousand, probably closer to a hundred thousand people there. And I think that the live streams and and then comparing that to what they're being told on in the in the corporate media i think i think that's having a massive effect on it yeah yeah well i think also uh, you know we're at that end game with the vaccine rollout and the number of uh, the amount of harm that's been done by the vaccine is becoming more and more apparent and that's enraging people to people who maybe were on the fence before, mm-hmm. have seen friends, family being harmed by vaccines and, and they're now going, okay, well, I trusted the government and to do this and keep me safe from COVID and they haven't done that. Um, so now I'm moving my opinion. and So I think that I think that's having an effect because there's, there's so much information out there now, mm. so many testimonials, nurses... Um, uh, there's some web pages where you know, testimonials are being written up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of people who have directly affected by vaccines. So I was reading a story just this morning. Um, it was saying that the Australian government is currently looking at, I'm sure it was 10,000 cases of um, uh, with the vaccine injury, you know, the, 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 the thing that they set up. Uh, so people could get compensated if they are injured by the vaccine. So um, I'm sure... I it's thought you couldn't be compensated because the drug mm. companies have got indemnities. So the drug company doesn't... Uh, they don't They don't cop anything. Ah, but um, the government can. Yeah. yeah. 
the taxpayer, you and me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so anything over, I think it goes anything over five thousand dollars worth of medical expenses. You know, five thousand dollars is usually a fair bit of money for most people. That's but, interesting that they're admitting. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. They're admitting, and 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 people still say, you know, that safe and effective. Like it probably does what it says it it's meant to most of the time but when it doesn't it seems to be really bad mm. and if you mention that you're an anti-vaxxer straight up you're an anti-vaxxer you don't know what you're talking about you're not a doctor you're not a scientist you know fucking what it's like where's the conversation why is this why is this one way or the other it's mm. not like that at all well i think the tga site in october had 65,000 Listed events, uh, ca- oh, yeah. cases yeah. with two hundred and five thousand um, negative events that had happened from yeah, okay. vaccines, and and they say that it's drastically underreported. Yeah, as well, yeah. So they said it's you know it's probably another fifty percent more than that, or probably more. Yeah, so, wow. You know, because a lot of people and and not not every um, negative event is is a, a, you know going to kill you or no. maim you for life, but. No. The, so a lot of stuff maybe goes under the radar because people go, well, I, all I got was, you know, some covered in hives or something. Mm. But um, like we, Fiona, one of her good friends, got myocarditis from it. Really? And, and she, I don't think she's officially reported it. She went to the doctor, and the doctors all go, oh, it's probably from something else. Of course it is. <laughs> but she's. Yeah, healthy, never had a heart problem in her life. And all of a sudden, a week after getting the virus, the, the vaccine, she she uh, had, yeah. She's, uh, how old is she? Good question. In her 40s. Oh, so she's not really old. No. No reason for a 40-year-old to just develop myocarditis. No. Yeah, right. Mm. Do you know anyone that's had COVID? I don't. No? No. Do you know anyone that knows anyone that's had COVID? No. That's an interesting question, that one. I've, I've thought about that a few times. Yeah. Because, so, you know, the six degrees of separation kind of thing, you, you'd think you'd know somebody. Yeah. But I do know several people who've been harmed by the vaccine. Yeah, right. You know, in directly and indirectly. So, but I don't know anybody who's had COVID and I don't know and have any friends of friends who know anybody who has it. So it. I know one person... Right. Um, not, you know, one person that knows someone that's had COVID. Right. So the, I've got to get this right. So he works for, worked rather, he was in defence sector. He was over in Afghanistan and he caught COVID, came home and either on the way home or something, didn't have any symptoms, but he was in home quarantine as per the ADF recommendations, you know, stay home. You fucking just came back from shithole. Sorry to say, but it is America. Thanks, America. Anyways, um, yeah, stay at home. Don't don't fucking go anywhere. You know, this is pandemic. All the rest of it. So he was at home, and he was required to test every third day, I believe, and he got a positive test. So he. he he had COVID. He, so according to my friend, he got a little bit sick, but not crazy, thought he was going to die at any stage. Um, and it got, obviously, it got into the media. And uh, I'm not 100%, but the timeline matches up for the first lock, for the first time the borders got closed. And I believe that it, I'm going to have him on the show to clarify all this, but I believe he was the reason that the borders got shut. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because of him coming from overseas with the Australian Defence Force. Doing all the right things. Yeah. yeah. Didn't affect affect anyone, infect anyone rather. Yeah. Because he was at home, isolating, doing all the the right stuff. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that he... He, he was the uh, the scapegoat they used to close the borders and they haven't been opened again. 
Yeah. I often wonder if if the majority of people really bother to look at the the, the numbers. No. You know, like I can answer that. No, no, they don't. Because, <laughs> like, are, are people aware that COVID's killed uh, just over sixteen hundred people in Australia? That's all. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Two thousand and nine, two thousand twenty, it was eight hundred and eighty deaths. In two thousand and nineteen, before the pandemic, the flu season killed over a thousand people. Oh, it was a, a harsh flu yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they happen, right? Yeah, they happen. So 880 people died from COVID in 2020, and I think it was a been a similar number in 2021 so far. But that's because they locked <laughs> the country down, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so the numbers are, are so small. Mm. I, I, I've never understood the justification for trying to destroy an economy and, and you know, no. ruin people's lives over something that kills as many people as the flu and can be treated... Extremely successfully, yeah. Without vaccines, see. Well, that that's that's the other thing. Like, it's not just ivermectin. There is a a, a lot of other stuff that we've been using for a hundred fucking years before to treat upper respiratory illness. Yeah, and it's not nothing. You get COVID, and it's like you don't you don't get anything until you get put on a ventilator. It's like what the what the fuck is going on there? That's not that's not practicing medicine. No, I, I saw um, a Senate committee testimony in America. Uh, it wasn't federal; it was a state right. Senate, right. and and a, a doctor, like who headed the association, I don't know what the names of it, mm, yeah, yeah. in that state, yep. was, was testifying, and he said he said that exact same thing. He said, "Why why are we not treating the disease?" Why do we just tell people to wait at home until mm. you're really sick and you can't breathe and then go to the hospital? What kind of treatment? He said that's a failure of the medical system when the, when there are you know viable treatments out there. Massive failure, absolutely. And and never has the government, in all their wisdom, come in and said you cannot practice medicine. Mm. You imagine doing that to any other profession, anyone. Yeah, like you can't. You can't. Practice medicine. You can't prescribe your patients that you know with things that you think might work. Well, they, they do work. Well, they definitely do. But you, you know, especially, especially with things like ivermectin. Like you can just have ivermectin and it doesn't do anything. It's so fucking safe for you that it just it doesn't have any unless you have a specific allergy or something to ivermectin nothing's going to happen whether you whether you have it or whether you have it or not like it's it's so safe Mm. and it's just so frustrating that except the animal version i think a lot of people are unaware that there's a compound Mm. in the in the actual horse Mm. one that's issued for animals use and and it's people have extreme allergic reactions to that compound so yeah, don't take. Don't. No, I know you can't buy it legitimately, but I know some people who got it, you know, through vets and things. Oh God! But See, the, and and this is and this is another issue. I'm I'm sure that it's another issue. I know that people would try and do that, like when Trump said, you know, he was talking about what was it, hydroxychloroquine, I think, and there was people trying to fucking drink it from their fish tank cleaners <laughs> and stuff. It's like I. I realise there's idiots in the world that are like that, but yeah, you know, what's when what the you, Darwin Awards are for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you when you're actively blocking a medical doctor from prescribing a human drug, yeah, like uh, that's that's definitely crossing some lines. Yeah, definitely. Do you know the statistic for the average age? The I'll stress the average age of COVID. Deaths in Australia. No, give it to me. 86. That's the average age. Average age of death in Australia is 83? Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> oh, my God. It's yes. not, yeah, you'd think, you'd think, well, maybe, you know, the average age of death might be in the 50s or something for COVID deaths, but it's not. It's, no. It's, you know, it's not, that's not the highest death age or the lowest. That's the average age. So there were lots of people way into their 90s who died from it. 
And, and That's what people in their nineties do. Yeah. Sorry to say, but you out know. of the, and I, I get these numbers from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, so yeah. they're, they're just sitting there for people to look at. Yeah, sure. Um, the, um, oh, out of the sixteen hundred odd people that have died from COVID in Australia, there were two hundred and seventy-five of those deaths were people with extreme dementia. Uh huh. So you know, it's sad that people die, but it always is. But my mother has dementia. You know, she's not long for this world so but that's what happens mm-hmm. you get old they, yeah. you usually catch pneumonia and die yeah and this this is you know it might be more serious it might be less serious who knows because they don't give us the information that everyone wants but at the end of the day it, it performs a lot like pneumonia yeah the only young people who've died all had comorbidity you know, comorbidities very serious ones yeah like you know, really kids with cancer ones. and stuff yeah so you know protect them yes exactly Absolutely. protect them isolate them and like and what about all the um side effects from the health system not functioning correctly people being turned away from their regular uh, uh cancer treatments mm. and things because oh no we've got to keep the hospital beds free in case we have a big covid wave meanwhile nothing yeah, so how about all these excess deaths that are happening from people who've missed out on yeah. their you know, normal level of service from the health system? Yeah, well, um, what do they call it? Um, the the surgeries? Yeah. Um, I can't, I've got a mental block here at the moment. So elective surgeries? The elective surgeries, they've only just started to do them again in Victoria. Now, elective doesn't mean, you know, Breast enhancements and all that sort of liposuction stuff. This is this is serious stuff that you will die from. Mm. It's just it's not an emergency surgery. No. So if you're booked in, so liver cirrhosis would be elective surgery. You get you get booked in, and as long as you're still alive with your dying liver, it's elective surgery until you. Until your liver fails, and then it becomes emergency surgery. So when, 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 again, the bloody corporate media talks about elective surgery, they make it sound like people aren't getting their boobs done. Mm. It's yeah. not the case at all. No, it's real serious surgeries that really need to be done. Yeah, and and Victoria has only just started doing them again. So, and I wonder if anybody's keeping track of how many people have died unnecessarily because of. Is lack of services that we used to have. Look, I'm sure there's someone doing it. I bet they're really not getting published though, because no. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't specifically gone looking for those numbers, but I'm sure they're there. Um, and they haven't. I mean, the amount of people that I follow that are looking at all this stuff on Facebook, Instagram—well, not so much Instagram, but t- on Twitter as well. Sure, someone would have posted those those numbers if they were easily obtainable. Mm. But yeah, I'm sure it's not happening. But anyways, um, let's wrap this up. I guess. Um, where where do you see it going? What do you see happening? Well, the resistance is growing day mm-hmm. by day. It's very strong, mm-hmm. um, which is inspiring. Because I think, I think is it December the thirty first that it's the end of the emergency powers for the government. Look, I've been asked this a couple of times too, and I believe it is. Um, I know it is in December. I can't remember the specific date at the moment, but I cannot find information on whether it can be extended. Now I've been told a couple of times that. It's all over come December. They can't be extended anymore. She's used... Probably not. That's probably why Dan Andrews is so desperate to pass his bill. Could be. It's why It could be why Palaget is sort of uh, pushing so hard with the mandates and whatnot to, to try and get a bonus from Pfizer. That's 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 completely my my thinking. It's (laughs) unfounded that one, but yeah, I feel I feel like it. it, There might be something to it, but like I said, I I have looked for that and I can't find whether that it can be extended or not. Mm. 
So that might be interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But the the, the number of people who are just resisting this now, yeah, uh, is is growing day by day, and that gives me hope that that it can be all turned around. And don't forget that people, politicians in this country, come up for election every now and then. Oh yeah, there's one next year, I believe. And that's when people can, you know, send a message with with a vote mm. to boot people out. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm hopeful too. Um, after seeing the the like we've talked about the protests growing and you know various groups on Facebook, I know they you know it might be considered echo chambers and whatnot, but the amount that they've grown um, and the the live streams that that I've that I've seen, you know, people getting out and people not trusting media so much, and you know, I I think it I think it will. At the moment, the people still hold power, maybe, uh, unless the, unless people like Dan Andrews get his legislation through, then that will change everything. But the optimist in me likes to think that the truth will always, yes, eventually come out and will win the day. Yes, it's just how long will that take? Hmm. Well, they can't put us all in camps. Well, you wouldn't think so. <laughs> But anyways, thank you very much for coming on, mate. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. And I will be back in the bar before you know it. Nice. Me too. Mm. <laughs> All right. Let's turn some stuff off here.